My name is Jenna and I'm here to help you do all the hard things. I'm a licensed professional counselor with nearly 10 years of clinical and research experience working with people who have some of the most debilitating OCD and anxiety in the world. I'm also a mom, a personal trainer, and a lover of modern spirituality. My goal is to bring you all the research, guidance, and encouragement you need to help you remember and know how strong you truly are. Now let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. Um, fun fact, the person I have with me today actually has been on my podcast before, and it is my best, most uh, listened to episode. So this is bound to be another great episode, you guys. I have Christina Orlova here. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist with Core Results. Um, I'm sure you've seen her before. She also has a podcast called The OCD Whisperer. She's at OCD Whisperer on Instagram. And she has so many other cool things that she works on, you guys, and so many ways that she supports the OCD community. So um, Christina, thank you for being here. Why don't you introduce yourself really quickly for whatever I missed? I'm sure I missed something. (laughs) (laughs) It is great to be back. Thank you for having me, Jenna. Yes, I have my private practice, uh, Core Results, um, OCD anxiety specialist. Um, I actually put together um, Intro to ERP digital course. So I have that. And I also just recently released an ebook on how to help people stop ruminating. And it comes along with a 30 day journal. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So our previous episode was actually in, and it was about rumination. Um, so it was just a quick chat. I think it was like 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes on rumination. And it was amazing. Um, So I know some things that we wanted to talk about today were about rumination. We also wanted to talk about ICBT, um, which uh, I've been like super avoidant of and overly perfectionistic about, like we just <laughs> talked about. So I'm excited to nerd out about it and, uh, I need to learn more because I hear it's just super helpful for people. Um, so yeah, let's talk about, um, you know, anything, if you could just like, give us a quick, a quick rundown, like what are some of your best tips for rumination or like, what are some of the things that someone might be able to expect from your workbook or your journal? Yeah. So, so what I, what I really wanted to do there is make it like a really quick, easily accessible kind of walking people through, you know, what is kind of, what does it mean to just think, what does it mean to ruminate and what does it mean to compulsively ruminate so that you can really grasp that concept. And in there, you know, I talk a bit about, you know, ways that you might be justifying to yourself, why you have to keep thinking about this thing. Um, why, what, what, whatever the thing is for you in OCD, um, you, you might be also, I included a chapter, a chapter in a section around different parts of the brain that research shows as involved. And then really what I did is I wanted to put a journal because what I noticed is that quite often, um, when folks are working on their ERP, they will forget certain pieces or, or they'll forget certain prompts, et cetera. So I, I thought, why not put it all in a journal format? So there's like, a, it's like a two page journal that gives you the little prompts to work through. Um, and so 
the idea here that I used was uh, it, it's based with um, exposure response prevention and acceptance commitment therapy. So kind of fusing both both of those into the journal. Um, so the, this this really is intended for people who have had some sort of experience with doing the treatment. So whether they've done a self-directed um, e-course, whether they've worked with a therapist, or maybe for some folks, they even bought a book and really followed the program in the book. So it's really intended for folks who, again, have had some sort of um, understanding of the terminology and the, and the principles. Um, so it'll be things like, you know, a question, a prompt would be like, you know, how are you justifying why it's important for you to ruminate? Um, another prompt might be, you know, what's a value that you actually want to uh, fo focus on versus, you know, anxiety? Um, you know, what's an activity that you can engage in right now to actually redirect your uh, attention? Because, you know, with OCD, you know, with the obsessions part, we, we like, I think most people know and understand. And if you haven't ever heard this, this is your first time. We, we don't want to touch the obsession per se, right? We want to like, let the obsession be, it pops in. We want to practice actually letting it kind of float through our, through our minds like a cloud. What we want to do is really focus on what we do with that obsession, the response. So that's where the compulsive rumination comes in. That's where it's actually very appropriate to um, consciously redirect your attention on to what you actually want to be doing instead of being you know, absorbed in your head and your mind about it. Um, you know, and, and also understanding the difference of like, you know, when you're reflecting on something, you know, you're, you're kind of having this purposeful intent to learn something when you're reflecting, when you're ruminating, you're just kind of going around something over and over and over um, you know, something, you know, from the past or the future, that's usually, you know, with some negative feelings around it. And, and you're, you're trying to see if you can come up with some solution or answer for it. But of course, that doesn't tend to happen with OCD folks, you start to have a, a bunch of more questions. So the journal is intended to help you actually slow that process down and start to practice and, and, and actually engage in real reflection. Like, what did I actually just learn? from interrupting my rumination or redirecting myself in a healthier, better way, or re-engaging back with an activity that I actually value uh, versus, <clears throat> again, being stuck in my head with my anxiety. And 30 days is because I noticed that even when working with folks and when we're really targeting and working on this behavior, it really does take about that long and really consistent practice to start to feel like you're, you're getting more confident, like you're really getting some of these skills under your belt. And then, you know, after another month or two of doing that practice, people usually say like, oh my God, okay, I really got it now. I really know how to catch it. I understand what, like when, when I start to engage in that mental activity, I can now understand it and actually recognize it as that versus um, as me thinking, because I keep thinking I'm actually just having some healthy, productive thinking here. And now I can, I can see the difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. You mentioned so much. I was actually taking notes. Um, I feel like these are all things that people need, right? Like, especially when we're talking about rumination. Um, I think it's really important for people to talk about and to target and really work through their justifications for rumination. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Um, I know some justifications that people might use to ruminate and you brought up one of them, which was sometimes people mistakenly think that they are problem solving, but they're just thinking about the same thing over and over again. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, one of those justifications tends to be, you know, I, if I just keep thinking about it, then I'll figure it out. Um, and so really debunking that, like you're actually not figuring anything out. This is not problem solving. Um, 
So two questions for you. One, how would you describe the difference between ruminating and problem solving? And then two, what are some other like just basic justifications that you find that people have for ruminating? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the distinctions, and this is kind of something that I, that I train people on, is when we think about problem solving, what are some of those steps that actually go into problem solving? And so usually I'll walk them through that. And, and there's also something called problem solving therapy, but you know, a lot of it kind of it's even partially common common sense if you, if you really pause and reflect on it, right? So you think about, okay, what's the problem? Well, first identify what the problem is. Then I'm going to, you know, kind of brainstorm and come up with different solutions. Then I'm going to think through which of those solutions is something that actually I can I can do that, that seems to make sense. Um, that's actually, you know, within my, my grasping capabilities. And that will actually get, get me closer to that result I'm wanting. And then I, you go execute it. And then you usually, you know, get some sort of result, something so that you can evaluate, did this solution work? Did I actually move forward? Did I resolve this thing? Did I learn something? Did I, did I, you know, close, close the problem out? Did I, did any of that happen? If it did, great, you're done. If it didn't, you go back and you can look and say, okay, what, maybe I need a whole new solution, or maybe I just need to tweak the solution I had. Maybe there's something I didn't, I didn't think of before. So I just need to adjust it and I go do it again. But usually you come up with some sort of a outcome and then you kind of are done. With rumination, the thing is, there's no actual outcome. There's no real learning that's taking place. You're literally going in circles. And, and it's kind of like the more I, I, I ruminate, the more I think I'm going to figure it out. Like the more I'm going to replace something in my mind, um, I think that somehow maybe I missed something. So I'm going to somehow now see something that I didn't see before. And that will somehow yield a different outcome. But the fact is, if you're ruminating on something that's already happened, it's already happened. There's not going to be any other outcome than whatever the outcome was. It's already done. So it's kind of being able to also recognize and come to more about that place of acceptance of mm -hmm. an event already took place. I already re responded however I responded. It's complete. It is done, right? If it's something about the future, then it's this understanding that, well, I, nothing has happened yet. And by trying to be preventative, right? I actually could be missing a lot of information in the present moment that actually will impact my decision and ultimate future outcomes. So it's kind of recognizing that that difference that, wait a minute, when I get stuck in that cycle of just going over and over something in my mind, you know, no matter how many different ways you do it, but that it doesn't ultimately lead you to an actual conclusion or outcome where you learn and you integrate that learning and you move on, right? And that's a key difference. Um, some of the justification pieces are things like, um, you know, oftentimes I hear things like, oh, I feel like I'm just so close. I'm so close. I'm like right there. I just, just, if I just think a little more, like I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I always got it. Right. And then, you know, I always just ask people like, okay, well, you, how long have you been feeling like you're just right there? You're so close. How long has that been that you've been um, almost figuring it out? And people often say like, you know, weeks, months, years. I'm like, right. What does that tell you? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or it will just go on to something else, right? Like, let's say that, let's say that you do, right? Like, even though you and I know that that's not true, I feel like so many people out there who do ruminate, they want like this parting of the seas moment where like the skies part and they want this like golden shimmer of light of certainty <laughs> to like pour over them where they get it and they understand it and everything is good. And that is exactly everything that I needed to know. Like, one, that's usually never going to happen. Like that is literally mm -hmm. never going to happen. Um, I know in my past struggles with my son, I was always ruminating about whether he would die before me. And it was actually really as sad as it was. It was also really relieving to realize like, oh my gosh, I literally cannot know that. 
I literally will never know if my son is going to die before me. So, but that, that pursuit of that information, it feels so real and it feels so strong and it feels so tempting, but I always, you know, remind people that that's never going to happen. Like, and even if it does, it's going to move on to something else, unless you fix it, unless you fix your approach to it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and I think that's exactly it. I think in general, you know, as humans, the search for certainty, right. I mean, this is now where we're getting to a different topic of understanding, you know, what are those things that just like a, are reasonable and what are those things where like, this is one of those things where you're just not going to have that answer. Yeah. And, and pretty much as humans, even in general, we kind of live with that. Like, for example, I'm not going to know when or how I'm going to die. I know it's going to happen but I don't know when or how, I don't know if I'm going to get some disease or whatever. I don't know. I'm not going to know that. I, I, I mean, I can do all the right things, all the preventative things and so on, but ultimately I don't know the answer to that. And I'm not going to know the answer to that. So it's almost kind of like also understanding, you know, your pursuit of, of something like, is it something that's actually, you know, reasonable, if you will, or is it one of those things that you could just get stuck on this bigger, broader kind of philosophical existential, if you will, questioning as well right that really at the end of the day is not you're, you're not really going to get that kind of an answer mm-hmm. no matter how many times you turn it in your head so it's kind of like well in the meantime how about living would you like to live and how would you like to live would you like to maybe actually just do some things that make you happy and excited and are meaningful for you instead of you know being wrapped up in your head and, and getting because that kind of absorbed into you know that that mental process mm-hmm yeah, you're, men- you're mentioning so many good things. You're giving me so many good segues. <laughs> I love it. Um, you mentioned acceptance and commitment therapy, which is also yes. a pretty big uh, influence on your book, um, which is amazing. And um, you're mentioning the word absorbed. Like you've mentioned mm-hmm. that word absorbed a couple of times. And I know that that's really like a key concept in ICBT. Um And so I'd love to transition. We can talk about ACT first and, you know, some concepts that you think are really important to implement and are complementary to ERP and, you know, specific ones that you love to use in your practice or in your book. Um, And then, yeah, we can move into like the the elusive ICBT discussion, but yeah, Yeah, your just take on ACT and why it's so important to use different evidence-based treatments and not just ERP. Well, I think that's that's the number one thing right now that I'm really lo- loving is that there's I, I know been more conversations around the fact that you know ERP is definitely a first line treatment, but also we have acceptance therapy. Now we have inference based uh, CBT. Then we have also mindfulness, and and I think you know understanding we are dynamic, we're multidimensional creatures as humans. So I, I think knowing that that you can take different tools and strategies mm-hmm. and kind of put them together, and, and knowing that. This is what works in all of these different tools. I think it's a powerful way to live because ultimately you want to live, right? That's what I would imagine. You know, people want to have a happy life. Um, But part of living a happy life is, you know, not sitting and wishing that things never change because that's impossible. Change is always going to happen. It's, it's, and there's a quote somebody just said to me yesterday with that I loved and I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, but it was that, that change is not the problem. It's the resistance to change. Yeah. And I was like, I love that. Right. Like that's absolutely right. Um, and I think from acceptance commitment therapy, it's also that kind of process of understanding that we will all have some painful experiences throughout life. Like that's just part of living. And if we can learn to kind of recognize that and instead of fighting it, you know, how can I lean into it and kind of breathe and, and go through that moment and just let it wash over me. And we have to kind of step back and remember that if I'm willing to have a difficult experience, I'm also obviously 
Is he going to be willing to have a wonderful experience? And all of that exists on the spectrum of human existence, period. Mm-hmm. Right. We can't just be sitting here wishing and I only want these set of feelings and these set of, you know, good vibes only. It's like, well, that doesn't work that way. Um, and so, you know, willingness, you know, acceptance of an experience, understanding, you know, I, I love, there's a lot of mindfulness, um, that's incorporated through acceptance commitment therapy. So all of those things I think help, especially in the OCD brain, you know, help to kind of slow you down and be present, be really here right now, um, and really connecting to things that matter to you, like your actual real values, right? Things that you actually want to, how you want to live your life and things that mat, like matter more than anything else. Because what does OCD do, right? It, it kind of starts robbing people of that. The OCD has you focus on the fears and the anxieties and all these doubts of the possible things that could be instead of focusing what actually is, right? So I think th- those are really wonderful concepts and principles to just grasp and 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 then engage in life in that way. So, I mean, I think those are important elements to include mm-hmm. um, in, in the journal. But here's the thing, like you asked, the journal and this this book is really based on exposure response prevention and acceptance commitment therapy. Um, ICBT, inference-based CBT, is not quite included in the book, but I can't help but use some of the words like you just called, absor- you know, the word of getting absorbed because I'm, I am going through... Uh, training with it. I started to use it with some of my own clients in my practice. So I will have a disclaimer, you know, I'm, I might not know everything perfectly and beautifully and, you know, superbly, but I think there's a tremendous amount of value in this approach. Um, and, you know, for myself, you know, having OCD, I have to say I've, I've implemented things from it when I just had, had a recent kind of little trigger moment. I was like, oh, well, this is pretty incredible. How how kind of quickly and easily I kind of reoriented myself um, and without using RP, but just using using these these tools. Um, it is a metacognitive approach. And what's what's cool about this is you're not again dissecting to the content of OCD. It's really you're you're stepping back and you're looking at your reasoning process. How is it that you just went from this trigger all the way to this other place where now you're compulsive? How did you get there? Right. And I think most of us, a lot of us with OCD will probably say that process happens so fast. We don't even often think about it. Right. But when we slow it down and really look at it, and that's what ICBT did, I think, a really beautiful job is they really kind of walk you through that step by step, the actual process of how you go from that one place of a trigger and how you ended up all the way at this other location and where you can actually um, what, what you can target to actually stop that process. And, and that's what they call the obsessive doubt. Um, so, you know, part of the, the training here is also talking about, well, what is normal doubt versus obsessive doubt, for example, right? Normal doubt is like, well, how much sure it's going to rain today? Well, I go out, I take a look or I take a look at the weather, you know, I get some information. Now I know, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'll need an umbrella with me today. And you're done. You're resolved. You move on. You don't think about it, right? That's different than an obsessive doubt right? Where you're like, well, but what if, you know, it's all, always usually starts with that what if, right? What if, uh, well, something bad will happen or what if, you know, I, I slip on the road or, and I hit a car and I swerve out and there's an accident. And because of me, these people will die. So knowing, so the, the question becomes there is, well, how do you know, how do you know something in general in life? Like, how do you know you and I right now are talking, right? Well, you know, it cause you're listening to me. Right. And I, I have heard about that. Like, 
so I know a little bit, uh, but yeah, I've been like, I've been like, so sh- I guess like shy about it is probably the right word. Like, I just don't want to mess it up. So like in true anxiety fashion, like I avoid it completely. And then I end up really messing it up because I don't know it at all. So I I've been like very shy about it, but yeah, like, isn't it like the senses, right? Like I know that I'm with you right now because like I'm speaking and I can see you and I can hear you. So it has to do with the senses, right? So that's exactly one part of it. And so the, the thing with ICBT, what it does is there's a, so there's an all 12 modules. Okay. And you kind of go through each module to help a person go through this process of learning. How is it essentially in kind of a, like a bird's eye view? How is it that you go from that moment when you have that first initial obsessive doubt and how is it you start to, from that moment, disconnect from your senses, from re- actual reality that you're in, and how you get absorbed into this now OCD story, right? Well, which which they call OCD bubble, and you get completely taken in there. And the more you are getting absorbed into that OCD story that you're going over and over in your head, really what's happening is is kind of a lot of it is imagination. You start to get more imaginative about all these possible, all these possibilities, yeah. all these negative possible outcomes. And you know, what, what happens when we start to get absorbed like that? Well, our brains are powerful. So we might produce images even in our heads. Now we might even have some body sensations as a result of it. And so all of it starts to feel really real. And that's where we say, well, that's the inferential confusion. We start to treat this OCD story, this bubble that we're now absorbed in as reality when in fact it's not. Right. So what they say is this is a point where you kind of you cross the bridge over into OCD land, that OCD bubble and out of reality. And so if you actually come back to, you know, your senses, using your sensory evidence to actually look at what actually is in front of you. If you also come back to your real authentic self, because one of the things with OCD, one of the kind of tricks it does is it starts to play on this. Um, kind of OCD sense of self, which is your vulnerable self. It's it's the self that you could be if in fact you did those things that I could be this bad person, or I could be somebody who doesn't deserve, you know, to even be out in public and should be locked up. Or I might be this person who loses her mind, goes crazy and might end up in a hospital, right? So um, instead of that person though, who are you really? Who have you been in your life? what kind of actions have you actually taken, right? So OCD does that. It has us disconnect from our real self and plugged into this other self that we start to base everything on. We start to believe all this stuff really strongly, right? And we start to treat it as if that stuff is actual reality. But when we actually come back, right? And we reconnect, we're like, oh yeah, wait a minute. That's That, that stuff is completely, not even remotely close to who I actually am, what I've done, how I have lived. Right. So in ICBT, it, it really teaches you to learn that difference and start to learn where early on you can re-anchor back into your using um, sensory evidence, right? Reality sensing. So that's what it really means. Um, and I'll give you an example so it can make more sense. Um, how to connect back to your actual self, your real self, and using some common knowledge. There's some some kind of common knowledge about a situation because those are different those are really three different pathways we have of knowing something right so it's how to use that information to actually uh kind of anchor back so it's not i think there's a lot of misunderstanding and even for me when i first started i thought wait a minute is this going to be some reassurance piece um is this going to be like i'm going to now think my way out of something 
Um, but that's actually a, a big misunderstanding. And so the more you learn about this, the more you realize, ah, no, this is actually a cognitive process. So you're really learning to understand your own cognitive process when you're having your OCD episodes and how is it that you're reasoning your way into OCD essentially and how to stop doing that, if you will, okay? So here's an example. I think this might make it a little bit easier. I have a friend who uh, we texted each other, okay? And then I got this text back like, and she kind of responded like, like something like, what, huh? And I immediately got triggered like, oh my God. Did she not understand what I wrote? Why did she why did she say that? Oh my God. And then and then I wrote something back and then she didn't respond. And now I'm just getting stuck on this text. Like, is she mad at me? And here we go, right? There it's my brain is starting this whole story. Oh my gosh, she must be mad. Well, this one time back then, I, I remember this thing happened and we had a disagreement and she did get mad, but she didn't tell me. Well, and so now this other time, and then wait a minute. Well, and I know in general, when people don't respond, um, if they don't respond quickly, maybe it's because she really is kind of you know sit, sitting and thinking about stuff. Right. So you could hear my reasoning process. It's and you're starting getting, to, I can almost like see you the visual of like you going across this bridge or like this process. Yeah. Right? I'm like getting, I'm getting, uh, exactly. I'm now becoming even more mad. I'm getting sucked into this bubble. Now in ICBT, that's one of the things you identify is that the thinking uh, OCD uh, thinking errors, right? So right there, I'm, I'm pulling on what we call like a, some personal experience, right? Well, one time I remember she got mad at me, but didn't tell me X, Y, Z. So now I'm using that reasoning process. Right now I'm using like, well, I, I, I know that if people in general don't um, respond back pretty quickly, you know, they probably are thinking about some stuff and then she's going to tell me later. So now I'm using some kind of general abstract rules. So there's actually some definitions and names for these processes. And when you start to like, we, like, you know, when, we're, when you actually give names to things, you suddenly can see it. So now I'm watching. I it doesn't make it feel better. Like when you just have a name, like, oh yeah. And it does. It do <laughs> well, listen, as humans, we do, we need to have a definition and a name and something so that we can actually wrap our brain around it. We actually do need that. It's like, oh, that's what I'm doing. There's something about that. Right. I feel like we need to do a whole podcast on that. Like, what is that? Why does that feel so good? It feels good to, I guess, like know that we're not crazy or that like we're not alone or. Well, it's, well I think actually it's, it, it also comes from, I didn't remember reading about this, but it, it is, it is a way that humans learn that in terms of language and how how our brains operate in order to actually understand something and then digest it we, we do need to be able to label it and name it so that we can then identify it um but here you know because you now learn the names of these re reasoning processes and now when you start to actually do some exercises you know in icbt and you start to catch this and put it together you start to recognize how when you're using that ocd logic it sounds really reasonable and you get really caught up in it but now when you have these names and ways to look at it, you start to see it differently and you go, wait a minute. Oh my gosh. So I caught myself in the moment. I went, oh my God, I'm using some personal experience from God knows when. Now I'm pulling in some arbitrary fact that's like, and I stopped. I'm like, hold on, Christina. Is all of this stuff, you're, this place you're about to go down, the, the, this road you're about to go down, is this even in context? And I said, girl, come back. I said, okay, what, what just actually happened? I'm like, well, I texted her. She texted back whatever clearly there's some little misunderstanding but that's all that's happened like i there's no context there's nothing here now to indicate remotely 
what she is or isn't thinking or feeling or whatever. I just have this, like, that's it. That's literally all that's gone down. But I feel like that's happened. where it's not reassurance, which is, it's I think exactly. reassurance would be, oh, it's fine. Everything is fine. You know, like she's not mad at you. Like you're making that's mountains. Right. Out of, it's like, no, you're just that's reality. Right. You're coming back to reality, which that's is right. that this is all we know. This That's is, right. this is the facts, right? Like That's this right. is the text. Like, so we're not giving reassurance for these. Exactly. Like, because I, I do still think that if you were to do reassurance in that moment, like, oh yeah, she's not mad at you. Like she's fine. You know, like she's probably just busy and it's like, well, OCD would just come up with one more thing. Right. Whereas, yeah, well, that's like, what I'm we're not doing that. Yeah. You're using exactly. your senses. And, and, and I think that's a big distinction. Exactly. We're, we're not jumping into reassurance. We're not doing that. What I'm doing in that moment is reconnecting back to the reality and the facts through my senses, through what I actually know that just literally happened. I'm connecting back to myself. Like I'm like, wait a minute. I know, I know me. I know how I am. I know what I just sent her. I know that we've had no, there's, there's no context here or anything that I've done for me to suddenly start to get absorbed into the story that somehow I did some bit terrible thing because I, that's that's kind of part of my vulnerable self. So so my vulnerable self, you know, the OCD latches onto is that I, I'm doing stuff wrong. People are mad at me, right? But like I, I paused right there and I was like, wait a second, because I noticed when I was starting to cross that bridge and I came back using, again, sensory evidence connecting back to me and just some common sense about that moment. Like, I'm like, Christina, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're tripping, girl. Like you just texted, she texted back, that's it, it's done. And that's it. And I and I left it and I moved on and did other stuff. I saw my friend later. We, I honestly, frankly, even forgot about this. And and that's how cool this was. And then when I did see her, she was like, oh yeah, I didn't understand when you wrote this. I was like, oh yeah, I meant that. And then that's it, we just moved on. Like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So it was so beautiful to experience that process myself. Um, and, and kind of integrate all those different kind of components that we're talking about. Yeah, and again, having the language and understanding of the OCD logic, the cheats and tricks of OCD, understanding how is it that you get absorbed into this OCD bubble and the story that you start to tell yourself. And, and when you look at it again and you have the, that terminology, you start to recognize like, my God, I have a pretty awesome imagination, man. <laughs> like I'm really, I'm really going for it here. Right. And then you and then you start to recognize how all of that stuff is not even relevant. It, it is literally all in my imagination where I'm just getting completely sucked into something. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of questions come up for folks around like, well, what if there's a real event or what if I feel something like I'm having some sensory physical feeling stuff? You know, again, when you go through the whole training process, part of it is, is, again, learning to really come back to the here and now and understanding also the relevance in context. Right. Because in OCD, I think a lot of times we take our little OCD brains, we'll take things completely out of context and we'll use different data points that are not remotely relevant and not relevant to the here and now. Mm-hmm. And so really learning about that reasoning process and how your OCD logic starts to operate, I think is a powerful, powerful tool. So you can really observe your own mind and how it's working and learn when and where and how you can actually come back and, and be grounded in the here and now in your actual self and using actual things that are right in front of you, right? Because OCD wants us to do what? Doubt our own senses, right? Doubt our own senses, doubt my own history with myself, right? Right. Doubt my own, doubt my own actions and my, my lived experience. Like what? 
right? So, so that's part of what ICBD CBD does. It just it just says we're not here to reason and and, and you know fight the the content and the Tao. We're just here to say, you know, is it possible that you can have another reality than this one that OCD brain is producing, mm-hmm. right? And a reality that's based in actual reality here and now. I love it. I can see how that would be super helpful for people. Um, I'm curious. So as we wrap up here, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to finally like learn more about it. Um, so if, if exposure and response prevention could boil down to, you know, challenging yourself, putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, reducing your safety behaviors and reducing avoidance. And then we have acceptance and commitment therapy. If that could boil down to accepting, you know, difficult emotions and living a life worth value, like, you know, in line with your values, Mm -hmm. what would you say would be kind of the bullet points of inference-based CBT? It would be to understand how you get absorbed into how obsessional doubt really is what starts the whole sequence and how the moment you can target the obsessional doubt, because that's really the target that you actually don't even have to go down that sequence. Right. That you can actually stay here and now and be present. And, and literally the goal is, is to not even go down that process. So you could just live your life, literally go live, do the things you want to do. So the moment that the doubt clicks up, you target it right away and you, you completely mm-hmm. let go of that process and you come back to yourself. So you really practice staying anchored in that way so that you can literally just live your life and, and, and have the correct inferences, right? Because again, in OCD, that's the biggest piece. We get absorbed in that story and we have that inferential confusion. We treat it for reality when it is not. So it's all about being, you know, in reality, in the here and now and living your actual life. Mm -hmm. Which when you put it that way, like they're not all that different. Like we're always coming back to kind of the same thing. Like, right. It's just different approaches, right? Exactly. But here I would say the one thing with ICBT, it's, it's actually interesting enough. It's not about uncertainty. We're not, it's not about let's embrace some discomfort. It's actually not about those things. It's about come back to reality, to things you actually yeah. know. So in an interesting way, it is certainty, but not not certainty with that you know anxiety-ridden piece. It's more like come back to what you know. Like, like I know I've never actually, you know, hurt anybody. So even when I have those thoughts, I'm like, yeah, but I haven't. You know, I know that I've made mistakes, for example. And yes, that's one of my vulnerabilities, let's say in OCD, right? But I also know that making mistakes is part of life and being human, mm-hmm. right? So like, that's a reality. So I'm not, I'm not letting them OCD start to get absorbed into the story of, you know, starting to pull in yeah, but what about, what if all of these mistakes and this and that, right? There I go again, crossing that bridge, right? So it's learning to recognize that, that kind of feature and function of your mind and saying, no, I don't need to go there, right? I, I can actually stay right here, mm-hmm. right? And focus on things I do know that are actually in context and relevant to right here, right now. So it's almost like ERP might have you answer OCD's question by saying like, maybe, maybe not. Whereas inference-based CBT is almost like it's not even worth answering that question. Yeah, we're not even doing the maybe. Like it's not even worth a question. Like it's not even worth it because yeah, you yeah. have this right here and you can depend on things like your sense yeah, you, of reality. Exactly, exactly. You come to reality and really learn to live an actual reality. I love that. Oh my gosh. I could see though how it could be difficult for certain like themes and for certain symptoms, but. 
Well, the reality is that's actually not what's interesting. Like I said, I've been I've been implementing this with different folks in my practice. I've asked them if they're willing to because I'm still learning, you know, and going through some of the training. But I've I've got some folks on it, and and they're all different things and subtypes. And I'm watching and as together we're going through this process, and people are kind of suddenly rediscovering this other part, and they're like, whoa. And I'm like, I know, right? Pretty cool. Wow. Here's the thing, though. This is also doesn't mean that like you can't do RP, right? Like if you do inference based, I mean, for some clients, I would even kind of what I'm kind of doing is sometimes, I mean, I'll offer them both before I even start working with a person to see, you know, which route they want to try. Um, and I have some folks where I tell them like, we can also start with the inference base and, and do the, the metacognitive, um, you know, strategy, and then look afterwards what's left over. And if we need to, you know, depending on what's going on, still do some ERP, we'll do it. And it's, you know, so it's not like the, you can't use these things together. Right. You so I, to be I think that's the piece. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think I think what I would want to kind of leave people with is is that I think it's great to definitely have flexibility in in treatment. And you know, some people just love ERP and like have some clients who are like, oh no, I want ERP. I love. I only. I'm like, no problem. Let's go and die hard ERP then. But you also have some clients where sometimes it doesn't always something something's happening there where we're not quite making the changes we'd like. And so having another strategy or a different way to kind of work with folks, I think is, is a great tool in your toolbox. Um, and I'm watching some folks with whom we've done ERP and they've done well, but also now bringing this and just this extra layer of understanding and knowledge that they have um, and, you know, more tools in their toolbox that they're able to bring mm -hmm. and go, oh, wow. And I'm like, there you go. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that they have to be, you know, conflictual or entirely, mm -hmm. You know, I think learning how to, you know, bring different things together, you know, depending on the person, right? Again, we're multidimensional creatures. To me, it's like, it's almost like the argument between habituation and um, inhibitory learning. It's like, what, like, I think they can both coexist. Like, I, I think that we can agree that they aren't like completely mutually exclusive. Like we can, again... You know? Well, exactly. Because the reality is sometimes you do actually habituate. That's just how it goes. You you actually do end up habituating. And then other times you're having a little bit of that and the inhibitory learning. So again, it's things, I don't think things are as kind of black and white, really. Right. We can't um, be that way when we're giving therapy. I, I, I don't think it. so. No. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh, you are just like a freaking wealth of knowledge and resources. <laughs> you have so much going on, so many ways that you give back to the community and you have some exciting news. So I would love for you to give one more wrap up as to where people can find you and what other fun and exciting things you have coming down the line. Thank you. Um, so thanks for having me. Um, yes. So everything can be found on my website, www.corkorresults.com. Um, my podcast, my private practice, um, uh, ebook, um, the, the self-directed e-course. What I do have uh, that will be coming up actually is I'm going to start running two groups. Um, it's going to be one ERP based and one ICBT based. So um, they will be, uh, I think, of eight to 10 people per group for about for eight weeks each. So it'll be like different cohorts, but those will be two groups that will be coming up soon that I will start to run. Um, and all of that will be up on my website in terms of how to register, um, what to do, because I, I, you know, I just, I, I keep wanting to give as many different things that I can think of to make things cost effective, because I understand sometimes, you know, just working one-on-one -on -one with a specialist can be pricey. So having different options. And I also think there's a lot of value to groups. And I think, and so what these groups, my goal is to make them a group, like it's trainings. So people will come, you'll learn the goals. You learn, I mean, you'll learn the principles, learning objectives, you'll practice things. 
during during our time uh, between our time and then come back learn the next principle and so on so that you uh, people can i can get more people trained up in both erp and icbt that's amazing awesome i'll be sure to post and link all of those things in the show notes so that you guys can easily access them um but yeah thank you christina so much for um, coming on here today to talk to us, um, be sure to check her out at OCD whisper on Instagram. Um, and again, all the links will be in the show notes. So Christina, thank you again so much for being here. You've left us with so many good things to think about and, um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks Jenna. Okay. Bye. For more information and resources, head to my website at www.jennaoverbaugh.com. From there, you can sign up for my email newsletter so you can make sure that you are the most up-to-date about upcoming resources, podcast episodes, blogs, challenges, and more. Also, check me out on Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and tune into some other episodes here while you're at it. As always, if you have a free minute, it would mean the world to me if you could please subscribe and rate this podcast. Subscriptions and ratings help me keep the podcast going and help me spread the word to other people who need these resources and they otherwise may not get them. With that said, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I really love creating these episodes for you. And until next time, keep doing all the hard things.